Hello, and welcome to the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger, and I'm your host. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get more great investing content. And if you're listening on YouTube, hit the like button on this video. Any other platform, your five-star ratings and review are a great way to support the show. So this is my first video podcast. I am trying to do this for the first time, kind of working on launching the podcast into the 21st century, into... Um, using YouTube as well with the video format. So I will see how this works out for us. And if you'd like to listen to your podcast on YouTube, then you can subscribe to my channel on YouTube, check it out. You should have the links to do that. It's just the DIY investing YouTube channel. Okay, so let's dive on in. Today's topic is how to DCA into individual stocks. That is dollar cost average into individual stocks. Dollar cost averaging is the concept of slowly putting money away into the stock market. It's typically associated with passive investing. And today we're going to talk not about using it for passive investing, but active investing. So I'm an active investor. I make individual stock choices. And so we're going to use that as our framework today. So let's see, individual stocks, dollar cost averaging. So for today's topic, I want to use an example. We're going to use this just simple numbers so that we can talk through the process, give a basic framework. Your numbers are going to be different and so make adjustments accordingly. But think about this as an example as we walk through it, because I think it's the best way to discuss dollar cost averaging. So the median US income earner earns somewhere in the range of $60,000 on average. And I tend to recommend that people start target saving about 20% of their income each year into saving for retirement or saving for financial independence. So with that framework in mind, let's talk about what you would do here. So if you're earning 60000 a year, if you're in that median income bracket, that would be about $1,000 a month. $12,000 a year is that 20% number that you would be targeting under this framework. So we're going to use $1,000 a month into this idea of you have $1,000 a month to invest into individual stocks. How would you do that? Now, it's simple with passive investing. You would choose... Um, an S&P 500 or some other index like the SPY ETF, and you would just simply direct deposit that money directly into your brokerage account, and it would automatically invest and buy additional shares at the market price for your investment. So if you got paid once a month, then you might have a thousand, a single $1,000 purchase. If you get paid twice a month, you might have two $500 purchases of that SPY index fund. Now, it's different when it becomes an active investing strategy. It's not so simple as saying, oh, I have this amount of money coming in and I'm just going to buy the one thing that I buy. Now we have to discuss more options. You have more stocks to choose from. You have more allocations to choose from. You have to decide whether you buy a single stock or whether you buy multiple stocks. For instance, I have a portfolio where I focus on owning five stocks, 20% each across the overall portfolio. So as I bring new money in, I then have a choice. And there's many different ways you can allocate those that money, but two obvious ones is I could put all of that incremental money into a single investment, 
or I could divvy it up against multiple investments like, let's say, equal weight those. For instance, if I was putting $1,000 a month into my investment portfolio, I could choose to put $1,000 into company A, or I could choose to put $200 into company A, B, C, D, and E. Now, which is right, which is wrong? Well, I don't think there's a wrong or right answer necessarily. What I'm going to walk you through is how I think about it. And so as an active investor, one of the key principles to your active investing is that you are investing with the understanding that you think you can do better than the market. I'm not necessarily saying higher returns. I'm not. There's many ways you could do better than market. It could be the same returns with lower risk, the same returns with lower volatility. It could be higher returns with the same with similar risk. It could be higher returns um, with similar volatility. There's many different combinations of these types of things that you could do. But simply being an active investor means that you think you have some capability of assessing individual companies better than the overall market. So with that said, and with that precept at the beginning of our understanding, the beginning of our logic tree, I think it makes sense to allocate all of your new money into a single investment each time you have new money hit the portfolio. So when I put money into my accounts, it's usually on a twice a month basis. And so for our example here, I'm putting $500 a month twice a month or $1,000 a month with two $500 investments each month. So when I think about that, I think about those as separate decisions. So we're going to assume that one of them is at the beginning of the month and one is at the middle of the month. Well, the stock I buy at the beginning of the month might be a different stock than the stock I buy at the second half of the month. I'm thinking about them completely independently. I might have bought company A two weeks ago, and now two weeks later, I'm going to buy company B. And the thought process is, at any one point, I want to buy the investment that has the greatest potential return at the lowest risk. So it's truly thinking from like a sunk cost perspective, zero-based thinking. Based upon what I know today, based upon the stock prices today, based upon my available opportunity set today, what should I buy today? And so I look at each deposit as new money that should be allocated to the best possible opportunity. The theory is that by doing that over time, I should maximize the return of my portfolio and I'm gaining diversification because stock prices change all the time. Fundamentals change over time. What I think is the best investment is likely to change throughout the month, throughout the year. And so even if I'm always putting new money into my best idea, that best idea should rationally be changing over time. Now, there might be months where I'm buying only the same stock and then you know, a week later it changes. And so you might buy two or three stocks over the period of a month or two as it's unclear what is your best idea. So that's how I want to think about it. I want to say, sitting here today, what is the best investment? What is the best opportunity that I have in front of me? And I think if you do that, you're going to make better decisions. And by making better decisions, you've improved your investment process and you're likely to make a better return over time as well. There's not guaranteed, there's not a direct limit to making or a direct link from making a better decision to making more money. You simply hope that making the better decisions leads to more money. It's that process over results. You're trying to avoid the resulting um, 
fallacy that it, uh, can often be talked about. And so you're really trying to build a good process. And so this is where I think the process comes in. So necessarily then we need to think about, well, how do I know what the best stock is to buy at this time? Well, for me, what I do is I have a spreadsheet and that spreadsheet pulls up every company in my portfolio and it tells me certain pieces of information about all the stocks in my portfolio so that at any moment I open it up, it's automatically updated, it's run through Google Sheets. Anytime I open it up, I know the stock prices of all my stocks, I know the earnings per share of all my companies, I know how many shares I own, I know what percentage of my portfolio each company is, and I know the look-through earnings of those companies. And so what's look-through earnings? Look-through earnings is you take the share price of the stock, or not share price, sorry. You take the number of shares you own and you multiply it by the earnings per share. So if a company has $2 per share in earnings and you own 100 shares, then you have $200 of look-through earnings. And so you think about that then, and your goal when you're making these additions is to grow your look-through earnings. You want it to grow faster by making good decisions than it would be if you made worse decisions. And so one of the things I will be looking at when I'm trying to decide between which stock to buy is I'm going to think which stock is the cheapest. For instance, a company with a 12% earnings yield is going to give me $120 of look-through earnings for every $1,000 I put into that stock. Versus a company with a 6% earnings yield is only going to give me $60 in earnings for every $1,000 I put in that stock. So when I'm thinking about what to do with my money this month, do I want to have $120 of earnings today or do I want $60 of earnings today? And nine times out of 10, I'm going to choose the company with the higher earnings yield because that's more of a look through earnings for me today. So there are obviously some downsides to this method, but before we dive into those downsides, a quick word from our sponsors. Do you have an idea for a great new podcast? You can bring your idea to life and start your podcast today with Libsyn. Our podcast has been hosted on Libsyn for five years and we love it. Libsyn has everything you need to plan, launch, and grow your own podcast. Libsyn provides some of the best resources created by expert podcasters who will show you everything you need to know, like what equipment you should use, how to record great audio, and how to get your show onto Apple Podcasts and other popular platforms. Plus, as a friend of the DIY Investing Podcast, when you sign up with Libsyn, you get your first month of podcast hosting for free. There has never been a better time than right now for you to start podcasting. Visit Libsyn.com and use code FRIEND, F-R-I-E-N-D. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com and use code FRIEND, F-R-I-E-N-D, to get started and create your podcast today. So let's dive on into what are the downsides of simply using earnings yield? And this is where your investing strategy matters. You're going to have to customize your method of DCA based upon your strategy. Me, I'm a value and quality investor. So I'm looking to buy companies that are a good value, which means I want that high earnings yield, but I also want high quality companies. And where do I get high quality companies? Well, high quality companies are going to tend to have a high return on equity. They're going to tend to have high organic growth, and they're going to be building and increasing value over time. So they're going to have long-term sustainable growth rates. For me, those growth rates tend to be double digits. You're talking 10% plus. Now, 
That means that when I'm choosing between two earnings yields, both of those options have growth. It's not as simple as say, oh, well, I'd like the 12% earnings yield, but it's not growing versus a 6% earnings yield that's growing. It's like, no, I'm assuming both those companies are growing and they're growing very fairly rapidly. Now, one might grow at 10%, one might grow at 12%, one might grow at 15%. I'm not differentiating between those numbers because growth is inherently hard to forecast. I don't know for sure what that growth rate is going to be. And so I'm trying not to give too much credence to future growth. And I want to give more credence to what is the past performance? What is the current earnings of this business? Because that's something that's real. That's something that's tangible that I can point to instead of some ephemeral future performance that I can't necessarily rely on. So when you're thinking about this, it always needs to come back to opportunity cost. What are the opportunities in front of you? And for me, that becomes first and foremost what's already in my portfolio. Probably the best thing for you to do with new money that you have is to buy more of the stuff you already own. That's going to be true for a lot of people. If you have stuff that's already in your portfolio, you have already decided it's a good value, you've already decided it's a high quality company, you've already decided it fits with your strategy. So that means that that's going to be the first pickings for potential stocks for you to choose. The next thing is your watch list. I've talked about that many times on this show that you want to have a watch list. Which of the companies that you own do you want to potentially buy in the future? And so you're waiting for the opportunity where one of the watch list companies is a better deal than one of the current stocks in your portfolio. So you need to think about that. Where does that line up? When does that become the priority? So when you put it in those buckets, you can start to understand what you do with your new fresh money. And so you get that check, you get that money, and you want to put $1,000 into it. Well, you're going to look at your portfolio. What is the best current deal that I have today? And so your first instinct is, okay, once you've made that decision, using the various parts of your strategy, earnings yield is mine, growth is mine, quality is mine, I'm going to say, okay, this is the best stock that I have. And that's company A, it's trading a 12% earnings yield, it's growing quickly, I love it. Now, what would mean when I'd go to a next step? What would be the next step? Well, what if I already own a lot of company A? You know, I want to own five companies, 20% each. So what if I already own 20% of company A? What if I own more than 20%? What if I own 25, 30%? Well, maybe then I would go to the next thing on my list. Okay, so company A might be the best opportunity, but I already have an oversized position to it. So let's go to company B. Company B is now my second best opportunity, but I only own 10%. I'd like to own 20%. So this new $1,000 gets me close to my goal of owning 20%. And by doing so, you're not only dollar cost averaging into that investment, you're also gaining benefit from the ideas of diversification, from rebalancing, because you're putting that fresh money into the cheapest ideas, to the best ideas possible. And over time, that's going to give you some time diversification that will help the overall performance and structure of your portfolio. And then I just repeat this month after month, paycheck after paycheck, you go through and you say, okay, where should fresh money be allocated that gives me the best opportunity today based upon what I own, but taking into account risk limitations. That's what we're really saying when we say, okay, you don't always go into your best, best idea because maybe you own too much of it. 
I've talked repeatedly about owning a lot of one company in my current portfolio. It exceeds over half of my portfolio based upon simply the growth it's had in the past. Now, it's too cheap for me to sell it. And even if it becomes the best deal in my portfolio, maybe I don't buy more because I already own so much. That's a reasonable way to put some risk protection on your strategy means that you're not always buying simply the best thing. You're buying the best thing adjusted for the risk. And so you have to define your own limits. What is the maximum amount of your portfolio you're willing to put into one stock? What is the least amount of your portfolio you're willing to put into one stock? And those limits provide you the information you need to make those constructive decisions in the future. So that gives us the basic framework. What else is missing here? Well, you just need to think on making sure you really understand those companies. Are all the companies in your portfolio truly just as good as the others? You might have some that have only been allocated 5% so far, but maybe there's a good reason for that. Maybe they have a lower weight position because they're worse businesses. Maybe they have a lower weight position because they have lower growth. Maybe they have a lower weight position because they're higher valued. All of those should come into play into your thinking. It's not a simple like, oh, I buy the cheapest or, oh, I buy the highest quality. This is a multivariable analysis that you need to be doing when you make these investments. So an obvious um, complaint is going to be like, how do I do this all the time? How do I do this each time I get new money? Well, it's something that you need to have built into your process. You need to be understand at a glance on your portfolio, what's the best thing in it? What's the least? I've said repeatedly, you should always have an evergreen list of every stock in your portfolio ranked in order by its attractiveness. So you should know, what's my number one most attractive stock? What's number two, three, four, five? And as many stocks as you own, six through 10 through 20, however many stocks you own, you should be able to rank them one through 10, one through 20 based upon their attractiveness. And that's going to change and fluctuate over time based upon price, based upon developments in the business, maybe based upon where we are in the business cycle. That's all reasonable. If those things don't sound like something you're capable of doing, that's a clue. These are critical pieces of skilled, active management of your portfolio. If that's not something you're thinking about, that's not something you're doing, it's something you need to consider. Why is it you don't feel comfortable doing that? Why is it you don't feel that you can have an evergreen ranking of these companies? The more you have those thoughts, the more you need to lean towards more diversified strategies, the more you need to lean towards potentially passive investing, the more you want to lean towards potentially outsourcing your investments to a professional investment manager. Those are the sorts of clues you need to be aware of because those are the things that can help you make those better decisions. You want to make sure you only own things you understand. And if you understand them, you should be able to rank them. If you can't rank them, maybe you don't understand them. So, that's how I would DC dollar cost average individual stocks. I take the new money and I say blank slate, what is the best stock in my portfolio today for new money? And then I buy that one stock. I don't divvy it up against all of them. I don't choose, okay, maybe 70% in this one, 30% in this one. I'm trying to limit my decision-making. All I have to do is say, what is the most attractive thing in my portfolio? And I put it there. And I have some risk limitation put on that. I'm not going to be buying um, stocks that have already become too oversized 
just because they're the cheapest. I'm going to want some diversifications. I want to put some risk limits on there. But overall, my goal is to diversify over time. During 2020, there was a six-month period where every new amount of money that I put into a company was going into the same company. It was the cheapest stock that I had. It was the best idea that I had. And for six straight months, all I did was buy a single stock. And then I had a full position and I started buying another stock. But it's okay to not be buying 10, 15, 20 different companies every month. You can be buying just the best thing you own. And if you do that over the course of an investing lifetime, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you're going to be diversified. But when you first start, you might not be. But it's about investing and having that time arbitrage that is also going to play in here that really helps you build that diverse portfolio. So thank you for listening to this show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you liked what you heard today, please hit that subscribe button. Please like this video on YouTube. Go check out the YouTube version of this episode. I would really appreciate you doing so. Please like, subscribe, join, tell your friends. Your support helps me to grow the show. If you're interested in learning more about um, investing, I do have investing write-ups you can follow on my Substack, and so you'll have links for all of that below in the podcast notes. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth.